You're listening to a sermon delivered at First Family Church in Ankeny, Iowa. For more information and sermons, visit our website at firstfamily.church. It's good to pray with you this morning as a body. Speaking of praying, let me ask you to be in prayer for many of our brothers and sisters on the coast, in the Carolinas especially, as other folks in those areas who aren't yet believers. I say that to you because it ties in with an aspect of giving I want to share with you. You may not have known this, but those of you who give regularly to our church, did you know that you have already given to a, in, in, uh, in an indirect way to help the situation in the Carolinas? Did you know that? I bet you didn't know that. Now, maybe a few of you did because you're aware that some of our giving every month goes to a Send Relief. It's, a, it's, a, it's the name of an organization, part of the North American Mission Board. So they call it Send Relief. And their efforts are to deal with disaster situations. Now, we have about 20-plus volunteers trained and certified with that organization. Um, but every month when we give, one of the small percentages of our giving goes to help the North American Mission Board. And part of what they do is to help disaster relief areas. So... We talk a lot about giving to and through your church, right? That's just one example that actually as you watched the news this week and saw the devastation and the different things that were happening and the relief efforts, you're actually helping that already. And in a small way, yes, but there'll be over uh, 3,000 at least uh, workers already on the ground with sin relief helping there. There'll be more to come in the future. We may send some folks from our church. But that's one of the ways that, that we're already giving regularly. And when you give to and through your church, you're helping places like Carolinas already. So thank you for giving. And that's just one concrete, specific way that your giving really makes a difference. That was our topic last week, and it's good to see you back. <laughs> um, I want to say to you, I experienced Hebrews 13, 17 last week, as so many of you just shared with our elders and shared with myself just a number of ways in which you're going to grow in your obedience to sacrificial giving. So thank you for bringing joy to us as we're watching over your souls. We used giving last week as one of the windows into our soul's condition, into our heart's condition. And so that's why we talked about it, because we are watching over your souls. And that's just one of the windows we use to kind of gain a picture of your heart's condition. Here's the verse in front of you. Would you read it out loud with me together as a body? Let's read Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. We've been kind of rooting our two-week series called The Dangerous Duty of Soul Watching. We've been, examining, we've been rooting it in this verse. This verse actually shows us how we are to watch for souls. We'll go back to the verse for a minute. Can we, Ryan? This verse shows us how to watch for souls as church leaders. It's actually by examining obedience. That's how we watch for souls. Notice in the first part of the verse, the verbs submit and obey. So the implication is, as leaders observe and he, uh, watch obedience and submission, then we know something about your soul's condition. And so we just have to kind of wrestle with and grapple and embrace the fact that leaders do watch the lives of the sheep. 
and how the obedience is coming. And as they see the church, the sheep obeying, they're filled with joy in their leadership. So I like in this verse, there's really two things going on. There's an accounting section. Do you see that in the beginning? Leaders are watching because we have to give an account, which says to me something, by the way, just hear this very, very plainly. We have to answer to someone. So that says to me that you don't belong to us. You belong to the one that we answer to. See, we're just stewards. Just like you steward your money, because none of it really belongs to you. It all belongs to God, right? None of you belong to us. As a body, we belong to Christ. Isn't that sweet? And so we're just for a few years on earth shepherding his body as under shepherds, and we're watching over your souls, but he's the one who saves it and preserves it. Hallelujah. And so we're, you're just kind of on loan from God <laughs> to under shepherds and pastors. We have to give an account. We want to give that account with joy. We want to pastor with joy, lead with joy. And so the, the reason that we can do that is because there is obedience and submission. And that's the advantage I think I see in the second part of the verse. The accounting section tells me there's a, there's a reckoning day for pastors, but the advantage section shows me that, that it's to your benefit to hear and obey God's word. Because you grow, you mature, you're healthy, and then we receive the joy of that. I think that's the, the real point of this idea of hearing and submitting and obeying. Because then you'll, you'll hear God's word, you'll do it, you'll practice it, you'll put it into, into you know, street le- uh, level kind of shoe leather life. You'll live it out, you'll get the benefit, so to speak, the, of that, of the healthy growth. We get the joy of watching you grow, much like what John said in 2nd or 3rd John I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And so what's happening here is there's an accounting we have to give. And so we come to you, we bring God's word to bear upon your life. And then as you hear it and obey it, you grow. We get joy from that and you get growth from that. That's really what's going on in soul watching. Again, we bring the word of God to bear upon the life of the sheep, both by exhortation and example. And the sheep in turn hear and obey. And the result is hearty joy for the shepherd and healthy growth for the sheep. This is what we're doing now for these two weeks. We're bringing to the surface some areas in which we want you to hear and to obey. You say, Todd, what kind of areas, what kind of matters? Well, like I said last week, some areas, some matters that we feel may indicate that maybe we're kind of in a comfort zone. Maybe we've plateaued a bit. Maybe we're just kind of in cruise control mode. And so we're bringing these to the surface. We're going to talk to you about them last week. Our first one was the topic of sacrificial giving. And we had a really good discussion about it. I appreciate so much your your, uh, questions and just your comments. Other areas we're going to look at would be like our compassion for our city, our habits, our time, our priorities. Did you use the journal this week, I trust, and kind of flip through some of the simple questions and verses? They weren't designed to give you answers per se, but they were designed to get you thinking about your soul's conditions. All that was designed to do. If you didn't pick one up, we have a few left on the back. Just feel free to pick one up. It's a seven-day quick journal to kind of get you thinking about what's going on in your soul through various windows. And I would remind you, these kinds of windows, they do give us an indication of our soul's condition. Remember last week's example from Jesus when he said, show me where your treasure is and I'll show you where your heart is. And there there are areas like that that become windows for us. And before we move on to 
window two and window three today. I want to just take a minute and maybe address a couple of applications about window one. Can I do that? Can we just kind of stay with the giving theme just for a few more minutes? You can breathe easy and relax. This is not going to be any more blood, uh, as Aaron said, and we're not going to draw any more blood today right now, okay? But two of the main questions I got, and I think our elders even discussed at different times, were the why and the how, mainly the how. When it comes to the why, let me just address that we don't give to men. In other words, you're not giving to us. You're not giving to, in one sense, first family. Yeah, that's the avenue, but actually we're giving to God. Did you know that? I had several folks say to me, Todd, the joy of giving to the Lord when I see all he's given to us. And this reminded me that often we'll get sideways, we'll get detoured, we'll get sidetracked if we think, well, I didn't really like that spending choice. I'm not giving this week. I'm not really a fan of that project. I'm going to kind of cut my giving. And if we make our giving only horizontal, we'll miss the joy of actually giving vertically. So remember, joy... Because of what God's given to us, it really fuels our giving to God. It is through the avenue of the church, yes. But it's really Godward. Then someone said to me, well, Todd, how do we give? We don't say a lot about the avenues. In fact, one teacher in our church just really helped me a lot. He said, you know, sometimes in our classes we'll get through the concept and then I'll give them like some basic steps to how to implement it. And I thought, yeah, that's a really good idea. Maybe some application and uh, just to let you know, giving at First Family can be done one of two ways, essentially. You can give on-site. You know, there's a box in the back by the doors. You can all turn and look at it. It's those brown boxes. You see it when you leave. You can drop your offering in there. There's one out by the main door, I believe. Those are ways you can give on-site. Some folks like to give by a check or they like to give cash. You can use the envelope in the backs and the seat back in front of you. Or you can give online. Those are the two primary ways, on-site are online. Now you may say to me, Todd, which do you prefer? I prefer to give online. Did you know that? I'm going to tell you why. And I don't think one is more spiritual than the other. I've heard some folks say, well, I think you should do it physically on site. That's more of an act of worship. That's a good opinion. Um, I don't think there's a verse that backs up either one. Uh, here's why I like online. I think it's better for our church if they can count on my regular giving. And because I do often forget sometimes different things, and because sometimes I'm out of, when I'm out of town, if I don't leave it with someone to drop off, then this just helps the church count on my regular giving. Furthermore, someone has said to me, well, Todd, I, I don't, I, if, if I do it online, then I'll just forget about it. It's so automated, and I don't even think about it. But that actually is not true. I get an email every Sunday morning. Just about the time I read to leave the house, I get an email that says, thank you for your gift to First Family Church. And did you know that every week I'm reminded through an email Oh yeah, today's the day that I'm giving. It'll be deducted Tuesday. I better make sure that's in the account. Actually, I'm reminded more about the gifts that I make every week to this church because I do it online. Do you know that? Now, that's not more spiritual than someone who gives on site, but I will say to you, it probably is more dependable than my brain. <laughs> so I just want to encourage you. I wonder how do you give at First Family? You can use our app. And it just gives us through the app. You can go onto the website. You can, uh, if you're part of our church, that's one of the ways you do it. It's just as part of your account there online with our database. You can give on site. I think the key thing is just to, just to make sure that we are accessing the avenues to give sacrificially, okay? Well, this week I want to look through a couple more different windows to help us 
examine our soul's condition. So let me, as one of your soul watchers, bring two more items in front of you. Can we do that? The second window I want to talk about in light of the three total ones is the window of our habits. Okay? Now you may think, oh good, we're done talking about giving. But actually, we're going to talk about giving your time for a bit. And if you are anything like me, I tend to guard my time more than I do my money. I'm not saying I'm loose with either. But maybe I'm the only guy like that. But I, I tend to sometimes, if, I want, if someone wants my time, I tend to think, well, maybe can I just give a donation and save me two hours? We did this in the soccer world when our kids were all playing soccer. You could either serve X amount of hours in the concession stand or you could give $20. You know what we did? We gave 20 bucks. It's like, man, and, and so I don't know if that's a sin or not, and you can kind of weigh your own situation. <laughs> but I, I realized something about my life. I probably guard my time to a higher degree than I do my wallet sometimes. So we're going to talk about something here that is about giving, and that could be just as sensitive. So let's be graceful in how we hear and how we speak about this, can we? At first, family, there really is a trilogy of verbs that we use to talk about our time. I'm going to see if you know what they are. There's three things that we say we should be doing on a regular basis at First Family. There's three words. What are they? Same with me. Celebrate. Celebrate, grow, and serve. Let's put the uh, modifiers on those that we came up in the last maybe two or three years. We've kind of developed a little more descriptive phrase. We celebrate the gospel. We're a little slower there. Okay, we'll get this. We grow in community, small groups, works, uh, and we serve the mission. So let's try that again. Ready? We celebrate the gospel, we grow in community, and we serve the mission. Those are the three ways in which we want you to sacrificially give your time. Those are three habits we feel from the Bible that should represent every single follower of Christ in some fashion. Three regular traits that should show up in our life. Now, I'll show you a chart that would kind of lay these out for you. Here you see basically the structure of First Family uh, Ministries. First and foremost, you see First Family Church. And by the way, the two to the right of that, they depend upon the health uh, and the effectiveness of, of the FFC column. We are committed to extending our influence as God opens doors and to being part of, the, of God's global work without a doubt. But if we're not realizing that all of the, those two things are an outgrowth of, an, of a healthy church then uh, we're missing the boat there. So we have to make sure that uh, we can call it the, the tree here or the mothership, whatever you want to call it, is doing well. And so there's three things that we ask. We celebrate, we grow, and we serve. Just so you'll know, we speak of celebrating. We talk about remembering the good news of what Christ has accomplished in all of our gatherings. We mainly mean the weekend gathering. That's kind of what we mean by that. But we also mean small group gatherings uh, Bible studies, classes, yes. But we're mainly speaking there, if we say this a lot, celebrate at a weekend service. And so we want you to prioritize to make important gathering with the body when we celebrate the gospel, the good news of what Christ has accomplished. We say this, it fuels our joy in God, focuses our eyes on God, shapes our hearts like God's, and moves our feet for God. So there's a lot of advantage. There's a reason to come together. When, when the writer of Hebrews says, don't forsake meeting together, 
So we really valued celebrating the gospel together corporately. We value growing as a small group. When we talk about growing a community, here's what we mean. That connecting with the local community of believers in Christ, your small group, it sustains life change, fosters accountability, and is essential to spiritual growth. So we make a big deal about small groups. In fact, they started this past week, about 410, 420 of you are all connected. Uh, we've got a list this week. In fact, of uh, those who weren't, so some of you who aren't in a small group may have got a call already, an invitation to join a small group. That's awesome. Notice how I've so far been okay saying small group, right? But don't be surprised if I don't say lighthouse at some point. That was kind of the, the name we've used before. We're kind of uh, moving over to saying small group. But last week I said lighthouse at 1030 and someone corrected me and said, Todd, even you. And I'm like, yeah, it's so ingrained in us, isn't it? We're speaking here of our small groups and growing a community that helps us stay connected, accountable. Now, the small groups are really part of a bigger picture. Let me show you this, too. It's just kind of recently come out. We're just kind of uh, working through it. It's called our Discipleship Pathway. And we really are wanting to make sure that you know along the pathway where you are. How are you connecting how are you growing and are you growing? In fact, I would say every person, every member at First Family ought to be able to say, I am at step and identify it. Now, belong, connect, grow, serve, lead. These are all kind of steps along the discipleship pathway. Our small groups are part of this in the connect and grow part. You see, what's before that is the idea of belonging. And so I would just encourage you, if you've never joined First Family, you should take the very first step. If you're attending here, if this is where you call your spiritual home, just go ahead and join the church. You can use that card there in front of you today. You can say, hey, I'd like to join. We can talk about that. It's an interview process. We should hear your testimony, ask you some questions. We move forward from there and getting into a small group. That's how we grow. And So just be aware that the small groups are part of a larger picture. We desire that every person be growing as a disciple. Okay? The last idea there under FSC is that we serve. So celebrate, grow, and serve. Let me spend a little more time here. I think this is where a lot of us maybe struggle to give up our time. This is where we might want to hold back and say, well, I like my small group. That's a lot of fun. That's good community. I think going to church is important, but you know, I just don't have the time to really do much beyond that. But serving is actually a very critical component. It's where we kind of exercise our muscles. Here's some metrics for it. I think about the concept of serving and how it's playing, being played out at First Family. Currently, there are about 300 folks who serve on a regular basis at First Family. Now, there's actually 297. But can we just say 300 for a round figure? Is that okay? So 300 people are serving on a regular basis. Out of those 300... 136 of them are on multiple teams. So a little less than half serve in at least two areas. Now you add to that, there are 60 who are below the age of 18 who serve somewhere. So we're going to go with 360 people between the cradle and the grave who say on a regular basis, I'm, I'm giving my time. And we average about 650 to 700 people. We've kind of gone down a little bit with planting about three churches. We're about 650, 700. So less, would it be what, less than half? Is that right? About half? 
Yeah, we'll just say half. I didn't get any nods on that one, so I'm going to go with half, okay? About half of the people in our church are serving somewhere on a regular basis, which means we've got a, an amazing workforce that we still have to tap into. So when I hear about a shortage of workers in areas, I'm not really asking someone to double up or triple up. What I want to know is, how about the 350 who really aren't serving anywhere but are attending and saying this is their home? Could, could we talk to you about sacrificing some of your time for God's kingdom? So let's talk about serving a little more. What are we doing when we talk about serving? How does it work? What do we believe about it? Well, then, so let's kind of run through this video. Can we, Ryan? As we focus on serve here, I want to kind of give you a definition of what it is. Serving the mission means that we're using the gifts God gives us to further his mission. And when we do this, it builds our spiritual muscles, it broadens our outreach, and it molds us into the image of Christ. So when we say, hey, could you give some time to serve? This is what we're asking. We're asking you to use God's gifts that he's given you. Work your spiritual muscles. It broadens your outreach. and actually molds you into the image of Christ. Serving is one of the reasons he came. Did you know that? I think it's Mark 10, 45. It says this. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, if I were to say to you, um, if you were to ask me, where do we need servers? Where's our greatest area of need? I think you, most of you could guess where that would be, right? I'll give you one shot at it collectively. Where do you think we have our greatest need? Say it. Yeah, I mean, you got it. So I'm not here to try to corner you or leverage you to go work with the two-year-olds. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let you know of the need. Can Consistently, there's needs, especially in the early childhood. There's needs with our Awana. I'm going to simply say this to you. Those ministries matter. Here's why. Because we're in a city where young families dominate. Would you agree with that? We are. God has strategically placed us in a city filled with young families. So it, it, it would make sense that our church should really focus and have a mission to reach young families. For us to do that requires X amount of workers. So we're not you know, saying, hey, well, this is kind of just what has to be. Hurry, go sign up for the slot. We're actually trying to think about our city. Like, if we really want to reach out to, to young families, then we do. I mean, all people, yes, but the predominant uh, demographic of the city is young families. It would make sense just to have a quality family ministry and we do and that requires additional workers so I just want to think have you think with me are you serving at first family and if not if you're in the 350 that aren't serving would you consider helping with our children's ministries all right again I'm not trying to target people in the first 350 do you know that who are either serving in a single area or are doubling up on a regular basis. I'm actually thinking, wow, we've got half the folks who are attending who, what we can tell, really aren't. They're eating the meal, but they're not helping with the dishes. I'm trying to get those guys help with the dishes a little bit. All right? Now, when you think about that, you say, well, Todd, I serve. I just don't serve at the church. You're right. That's still serving God's kingdom, and we applaud that. 
This is not the only place to serve the Lord. Would you agree with that? But this is one of the places, and it is one of the places we have to be willing to say, I want to help um, manage this and serve here so that it reaches into our city and makes a difference. Here's some other ways in which we're serving that I want to share with you that I think uh, you'd be pleased to know about. These don't require a ton of workers, but they, they kind of help us think about serving in general. Um, this, you know, in the past, we've kind of adopted every single school in our city on the first day of school. And so our staff would generally just kind of take a, a box of donuts or some kind of treat or a breakfast, something. And on the first day of school, we'd just bombard every school and say, hey, we're glad you're in our city. We're here to help. Just call us, you know. And it kind of made a one-day splash. This year, though, we were praying through and talking through some of that, and we've adopted officially our closest elementary school for the whole year. And so our church is, has officially adopted Southeast Elementary. And so we're excited to be able to partner with them on a monthly, even more so, uh, maybe even more regular basis, not just for donuts and maybe breakfast, which we're doing in October, but maybe some other ways to help meet needs. I think uh, I was told there were 70, is it 76 teachers there? And then maybe 90-something employees. Maybe it's 50-something teachers and 70 employees. But there's some numbers we've been given of ways we can help. So we're just going to serve that school as a church who's really close to that school. Uh, if you want to join in with that, Call the office and say, hey, how can we help serve Southeast? Or if your small group wants to adopt a school near you, go for it. Call the school and talk about it. See what you might could do to serve that way. Because serving often has a, a component that is outreach-centered. It affects others. Like our definition says, it builds our muscles and broadens our impact. Something that I hope we'll try this Christmas is uh, I've asked Cynthia, uh, works in her office, to get stores in Ankeny, retail stores, who'd be willing to let us come in and wrap Christmas gifts for them. And so uh, Hy-Vee's already said yes, the one over there on, is it Ore Labor, the new Hy-Vee? So here's what's in my head. Uh, maybe a small group could just get the supplies they need and grab a table either from the store or grab one from here. Go to the lobby, just set up some supplies and make it look sharp. Tanner can get you what you need, you know, maybe some invite cards. And as folks leave, just say, hey, we'll be happy to wrap your presents for you free. Have the paper, the tape, scissors, and maybe have some folks there to do it. It's been a couple hours. You might get some folks who'd be willing to let you wrap their presents. Maybe we, we're going to try to get Coles to sign on and other stores along the wonderful busy strip called Delaware, right? I mean, there's enough stores. We could probably put some small groups in key retail places. And what does that do? That helps you serve our city, but it also gets you a lot of face time to talk to people. It's just a small way to think about, is there a way that we can do something in our city that serves the people of our city? You see, so not every bit of service is always just right here at this building. There are needs here. Our children's ministry leads the way, but there's also needs in our city. But our church should adopt a serving mentality across the board. It's one of the ways that we uh, share and show Christ. So when you hear us say celebrate, Grow and serve. We're saying essentially celebrate at a weekend service. Grow in a small group and serve on a ministry team. And why do we want you to serve? Because it's how we broaden our outreach, outreach and strengthen our muscles. And you may say, Todd, is this just kind of something you guys made up? These three words. Like you just thought, well, they sound good. Let's just ask folks to give their time to these three habits. Not at all. In fact, we aren't the first to think of these. A lot of churches use these very words. Some use the phrase, God's word, your walk, and your work. It's kind of the same idea, isn't it? Celebrate, grow, serve. 
Other churches use the words celebrate, connect, contribute. We choose celebrate, grow, and serve because it's quite, just very plain and simple. And they really come out of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Notice how these words, this trilogy of verbs, is seen in these verses. I'm going to read through them with you. Just watch, and you'll see these habits, these, these uh, ways they were giving their time. You'll see them show up in these verses. Acts 2, 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, a gathering of sorts. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they as any had need. You see the idea of growing together and of, of sharing and of serving? And day by day, attending the temple together. You see, we ask you about what? Once or twice a week. These guys were day by day. There was a little humor in there somewhere, but I don't think it resonated with you guys at all, did it? Forgive me. Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When I read those verses, I draw from those, these three general habits. They celebrated together. They grew in community and they served each other. And as a result, God really expanded their outreach and they impacted their city. That's all we're asking. And your leaders are asking you to hear this and obey this because it's our idea. We're asking you to hear this. Submit to this and obey this because this is really how the very first church kind of got going. They adopted three habits. Celebrating, growing, and serving. So I don't have any timidity this morning coming to you and asking you to invest your life, to invest your life in something far greater than just binge watching the latest series or making sure you're following the stats of your pro team so you can win your fantasy league. I'm bringing to you three habits that in the very first church were fundamental to how they lived their life on a regular basis. And it took time. It took a sacrifice of time for that to happen. So, Todd, what are you asking for? I'm asking you to sacrifice and give some time to celebrate, grow, and serve on a regular basis within the church you call your home, First Family Church. And you say, well, Todd, why don't more people do that? Maybe you're there and you're in that first 350. You're not feeling guilty right now. You're not feeling convicted. You're like, man, this is what we need. Just plain, practical talk. Like, bring it, Todd. That's what you're thinking, right? Todd, why don't more people celebrate, grow, and serve on a regular basis? Our staff asked that question several weeks ago. We kind of drew out on a picture form this plateau that we, we seem to be on. I'm not sure how well you can see that. This is the whiteboard. These are my scratchings. You can kind of see the line that goes up and to the right. And then on the far right, you see a straight line. It's kind of our understanding of things as we look at our metrics, kind of a plateau we're in. And so I asked them, I said, why do you think we're here? And so we listed several reasons. You see the little clouds above the plateau? That's kind of the reasons. And there were a number of them. There were cultural reasons, logistical reasons, missional reasons, personal reasons, relational reasons, 
congregational reasons, functional reasons, leadership reasons. I mean, let's just be frank. It's rarely ever just one thing. Would you agree with that? There's probably a number of factors that lean in. As we discussed it, we became personally convicted as a staff, and this was, I think, mainly just our full-time directors. We became personally convicted over some things that we had kind of set cruise control on. We begin to realize, you know, our priorities maybe haven't been what they were or maybe what they need to be. And we started thinking about our own families or thinking about our church. And we just wrote this down on the board that maybe the real reason that maybe we've plateaued perhaps in celebrating, growing, and serving is because we have a priority issue. Maybe we've kind of put meeting with God's people on the same level as just, you know, making the weekly game, taking some time off. I mean, there's no reason to reschedule things. We'll just miss. But maybe if we prioritized celebrating with God's family, we would adjust other things first when we could and I'm not against vacations I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't see your, our families don't hear that if you hear that you're hearing me wrong I think there's room for those kinds of things but I'm asking you to look into your heart at your soul's condition here's why listen very carefully to plain preaching if the first thing you adjust is your commitment to the church you should ask yourself what does that say about my soul when it's always the first thing to give when it's always the first thing to go. Because you know what your idols are in your choices. I don't speak this to you in a vacuum either. I've wrestled it with four children. All of them played sports. We had busy schedules. We've never lived near family, so we tried to see family. And we love vacation. Did we do it right every time? No, we didn't. We had several bumps along the way. Times I wish I could go back and redo, to be honest with you. Things I wish I could undo that I didn't do real well in regards to schedules. I bring this to you not, out of, not in the vacuum. I bring this to you out of real life experience. I think you can understand a lot about your soul when you ask yourself, what's the first thing to give when my schedule gets tight? And if it's always God's family, that's a priority issue, church. Something's amiss there. That should be an opportunity to look into your soul and say, what's up with my heart here? I think the same thing is true with our small groups, with our serving. If, we, if we're always quick to serve everywhere except with God's people, what does that say about our soul? So I think that the staff, I think we were onto something, and it came out of our own conviction. We saw at times we have a priority issue. Guess what? I don't think we're a whole lot removed sometimes from you guys. We probably have some priority issues, which is why half of our people are serving and apparently half aren't. Now, this also tells you why I'm extremely optimistic about the future. We've got half of our church just waiting to get involved. Amen? I'm pumped about that. We shouldn't have a shortage of workers in any ministry. Now, I'm not saying that to try to crank on you. I'm just saying, do you see the beautiful uh, view in front of us? We've got a lot of people. 
that maybe they're just waiting on an opportunity. Maybe they didn't know this. I don't know. We'll just take the, the best view and say, hey, they weren't aware. We're making them aware. Fantastic. But if there are deeper issues, such as priority issues, use this two-week set of messages to just take some time and analyze how is my soul's condition in regards to three habits that are founded in God's word that our elders are asking us to hear, submit, and obey in to celebrate the gospel regularly with God's family, to make the weekend services a priority, to grow in a small group, to really follow and pursue biblical community. Like if you're not in a small group, can I just ask you this question? Why aren't you? There may be an actually, there may be a good reason. There may be. I don't know. Could it be logistical? But if there's not a good reason, why are you avoiding going deeper in community? It may very well be the, the one step that is needed for you to kind of be prodded toward greater growth and serving. Why, why, do you, why are you avoiding serving? So I'm just asking you to think through these questions. These are not habits that... that we make up. They come right out of God's word. They seem to characterize the first church. They're things that God calls us to. And by the way, your leaders are not asking you to do this without first and foremost modeling that. And if they're not modeling this, they shouldn't be leaders. I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. We only earn the credibility to make these kinds of statements and call for this kind of action when we ourselves have first of all modeled what it means to celebrate, grow, and serve. Amen, church? We gain credibility with our lips by living it in front of you with our life. So there'll be leaders that are at the front today. If you have questions, come talk to them. Where can I serve? How can I get involved? Where's a small group? And our lives are an open book to you. Because we, we're not just calling for action. We want to model the way for you. Man, there is so much untapped potential in this church. There's an army just waiting to be mobilized. And for something a lot larger than just uh, temporal, earthly things. To be mobilized for eternal matters. So this is why we're watching over your souls and examining obedience. Because it matters. And I think that leads me to the, the last window I want to discuss brief, briefly with you. And that's the window of our city. I think a fully mobilized, engaged church that's celebrating, growing, and serving would be a dynamic force in our city. And I've been asking myself lately, has our church become invisible to our city? If our church was to close its doors, would our city even know? Again, I've been wrestling with these and what it says about my soul. A few things about our city that I want to share with you. Population is about 62,400 people. Over the last five years, it's grown by five to seven people a day. Over the last five years, 5,900 new homes, apartments, and townhomes have been built. That's a growth rate, population-wise, of about 6.5%. That's why Ankeny is known as the fourth largest excuse me, fourth fastest growing city of cities of 50,000 or more in the nation. Now, we like that about our city, right? People are moving here. But it also says to us, what a great opportunity in front of us. A couple more stats for you. Median age in Ankeny is about 32. 
So I talked to you about the, the main demographic being young, busy families. <laughs> yeah, the median age is 32. Average family size is 3.1. There's about 20,000 total households in Ankeny. And let me just pause here and say this. I know that not everyone lives in Ankeny. I realize that. But this church's address is Ankeny. It's where God has strategically placed us. So we're just going to start there. Is that okay? I'm not saying it's better and it's the best city. I'm just saying it's where we are. Let's just realize that. And as it ripples out, we can embrace the metro area, sure. But I want to be responsible pastor to the city God's put us in, for sure. At least there. Wouldn't you say that would be a good idea? So 20,000 total households. 11,000 are married households. There's about 1,100 single dad households in Ankeny. There's about 1,900 single mom households. Do you know Ankeny has over 2,100 businesses in Ankeny? I would have never guessed it would be that high. Over 2,000 businesses just in Ankeny. It has over 40 parks. We did know that, didn't we? And there's 32 churches. Now, listen, if every single person in Ankeny was a born-again believer, and they're not... But if everyone were, and if every church was a solid, gospel-tethered church, that would mean that every church would have 1,950 people. So we'll just round up to 2,000, can we? If every church was solid, and every person was a believer, every church would have 2,000 people. But not every church is solid, and not everyone's a believer. So what that tells me? There's a lot of room in this city. For a gospel witness. Now, that being said, we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing and how are we adjusting and are we willing to let go of things that may be hindering a strong, vibrant witness in our city? Now, I'm not going to bring to you things that should change. I'm just going to ask you to think about your own life. Have you grown blind to the amount of people all around you, many of them lost? Has the lostness of our city just kind of became commonplace to you? Do you realize that when you're at a restaurant ordering, more than likely the person taking your order, whether it's across the counter or at a table, is not a believer? More than likely the person checking you out of the department store, more than likely the person at the bank, more than likely, the people that you're interacting with at the gas station, they're not a believer. D does that resonate with you? Are you aware of that? Or, or is that just like, oh. You see, I, I think our church must begin to start realizing we, God has placed us in a city that's growing, that's full of people, and many of them aren't believers. Wow, what an opportunity. So I see so much optimism across the board for First Family. Yes, within our church, about people who can be serving but also in our city. That's why I tend to think this, and you may want to criticize me for this, go right ahead. Um, I don't think it is, I don't think a church in Ankeny should not be growing. I don't think that. You can say, well, God might have it for that church to stay small. We can argue that over coffee or lemonade, okay? Is that okay with you? I don't know. But it's hard for me to imagine a gospel-tethered gospel-preaching, people-loving, joy-filled congregation on mission for Christ, not growing in a city that's growing by five to seven people a day. 
Six and a half percent for the last five years. I think they're all around us. I think we've probably just missed seeing them for various reasons. Maybe we're blinded to the people around us because of our own schedules in front of us. Maybe our own hobbies. Uh, can I be this frank with you? Maybe our own kids have blinded us to their kids. Maybe our yard has blinded us to our neighbor's yard. Maybe our driveway has consumed us and not their driveway. I'm just asking some questions to get you to think about this, okay? You say, Todd, how should I view it? Let me just share with you how Christ viewed the cities he was in. Here's Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So when you're driving through your neighborhood, when you're driving home, when you're pulling into your driveway and you think about your neighbors and your first thought tends to be critical because they're too loud or they're this or they're that or all the things they're saying about you as well, right? <laughs> when you have these thoughts, man, here's how Christ viewed the crowds that he encountered. He had compassion. And I'll just share with you one of the things that's encouraged Julian myself and our effort to try to model this like Christ is knowing that Ankeny is a is a is the typical American city in that it has a beautiful front door and lots of dysfunction behind it. We discovered this mainly raising our kids and being involved with our city in lots of ways. We were way more involved then than we are now. And that's a point of conviction for me and Julie. Our kids forced us to be just with their friends and with people in leagues and in the schools. And often we'd get the crisis call. Hey, I know you're a pastor. Could you come over? Or could I talk to you? And I would have never thought it'd be that family. At the soccer game, at the basketball game, at the school meeting, they were the ideal family. But open that door and walk inside, and man, it's dysfunction galore. Close the door, and everyone keeps up the image. I mean, that's Ankeny, isn't it? Let's present the best image but don't dare get too close or look behind the door. And I'm just saying, hey, in the compassion of Christ says, I want to come in the door and I'll help you with this. That's compassion. Can I just share one last thing with you as we wrap up here about our city and opportunities? I tend to think our church has made the same mistake the disciples made in John 4. And when I say our church, I'm in that crowd with you, okay? I know I've done this. In John 4, he was talking to the woman at the well. And she was so convicted by, her, by the conversation that she went back to the town to get all of her friends to come out and see this man who told me everything I've done. Well, while she was in the town getting some of her friends, which actually was most of the village, the disciples had gone in to buy something to eat. And they came back with food about the same time that the village was coming out. So they're kind of merging upon Christ. You can read the story in John 4. They asked the Lord, hey, do you want some food? we got some, you know, Samaria, Chipotle here. Would you like some? He says, no, I've got food to eat you don't know about. And they're like, how did you get food when we were gone? What'd you get? And they're looking around. It's not harvest time yet. Did someone else bring you something? He says, I've got food to eat you don't know about. He means doing the will of God. And the joy that he received just from seeing folks uh, you know, believe about this time the folks in the city are coming out and the disciples are perplexed. And he says to them, this verse, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. 
Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. They were thinking all about the physical. How'd you get something to eat? It's not even harvest time yet. He's saying, guys, something far more important than physical foods in front of you. The real harvest is right in front of you. It's these people coming from the town that you're actually in. Don't miss it. I feel like sometimes we've missed our own town. I think sometimes I've unintentionally caused you to miss your town. As you know, my heart beats passionately for global missions. I will not apologize for that. I think we can do both, by the way. I don't think you have to choose. But sometimes, and I've heard this from people, and this has been good for me to hear, that's about all I've talked about. I'm not going to apologize for that, but I will say I appreciate the insight that maybe I should talk about the other stuff too. Does that make sense? And sometimes I've not talked enough about the needs right here under our own nose. The people in our neighborhoods, the people who are going to hell, who live on your street. And you don't have to cross a single cultural barrier to get to them. I'm passionate for our city, and I apologize to I guess I'm apologizing, aren't I? <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that. I want you to know I want to work harder by God's grace to keep both in front of you better. Here's a good opportunity that you can utilize with the folks right around you. In just a few weeks, our fall festival, October 3rd. Yes, it's just an event but it can be a platform for you to invite some people. We'll have a lot of fun things here. It's aimed at young, busy families. So just invite some folks you know. It could be a start. At our last parking lot party, we invited some folks that were our neighbors, and both of them came. Excuse me. They both said they would come. Only one was able to make it. Uh, we talked afterwards. They had a good time. It's just a start. What I hope you'll do is hear this and say, you know what, it'll be worth crossing the street, knocking on the door, making the phone call to see what would happen? Just try. Have a heart for your city, a heart for your neighborhood. You see, I don't want to be, did I say this already? If I have it, I want to say it now. I don't want to be the best church in the city. That doesn't bother. I don't really care about that competition. But I want to be the best church for our city. With a strong gospel-tethered community who knows that we're on mission for God to make disciples, to be fishers of men. Well, let me wrap up these two weeks. We've looked at three windows. Our giving, i.e. our money, our habits, i.e. our time, and then our city, which I would call as our compassion. How's your soul doing when you look at it through these two windows, these are just some of the windows we can use, the three I've chosen to talk about. You say, Todd, you know, how do I view these? What, what, what should I do? I would just simply say what I said to you last week. The best way to look through those windows is with gospel glasses. Let the generosity of Christ, the commitment of Christ to you, be what kind of helps you see through these windows as you look at your own soul's condition. Here's a verse that helped me this week. Because I'm not just trying, and your elders are not just trying to 
ask you to give more. And in fact, we're not trying just to give, get you to give more time or money. That's not what we're after. We want to see you give yourself to the Lord. As we're watching over your souls, we want to see you give your life to God. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5 says. Look at this verse about these folks who gave. Yes, it's speaking of them giving financially, but it says they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Todd, how's that possible? Well, I want to close with a verse in the same text where we started. Look at this as we close. Hebrews 13, 20. Remember verse 17 about obeying and submitting and to those who are watching your souls and so forth? Look at verse 20 with me. Here's how all of this is possible. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with everything good that you may do his will. As you give yourself to God, he supernaturally, powerfully equips you to do what he asks you to do, such as sacrificially give. You see, you can't do that apart from God. To actually sacrificially give of your time, to celebrate, prioritize the church, its services, and, and serving the church and your small group. You can't do that apart from God. Nobody can leverage you or squeeze you tight enough. You'll resist. But when God works in us, his spirit enables us to actually live a supernatural life, one that's, that's characterized by laying our life down for his, one that's more concerned about his mission than ours. So here's what I'm simply asking you to do with gospel glasses. Give yourself to God, because after all, he gave every drop of his blood for you. And as that happens, he will equip you inwardly to do outwardly what seems to you right now to be impossible and you'll discover the true and ultimate soul watcher jesus is actually the true and ultimate soul satisfier let's pray we hope you enjoyed today's message for more messages visit firstfamily.church forward slash sermons or subscribe to our podcast feed Thanks for listening.